0: What Georgia was missing last year, I think people overlook how valuable it was for Todd Munkin to have Mike Bobo and Buster Faulkner as yes. support staff. Right? Like it's like you have mm-hmm. two guys who legit offensive coordinators. Yeah. One a very seasoned, you know, former SEC head coach. One a young up and comer. You had those two guys in your room in your in your support staff helping create right. a game plan, helping scheme. Right. Yeah. <laughs> right. Welcome back to the Dog Dispatch. I am John Smith at John Tweet Sports on Twitter. I'm joined by my good friend, Coach Chris Hayes. Coach, how are we doing today? We're doing great, John. Glad to be here. Glad to start talking about some more Georgia football. I know. Listen, we are going to get into football today. We're going to get into Georgia football. We're going to talk about the Georgia offense today. Before we do that, I do want to give a little bit of a shout out to Georgia basketball. I yes. think, you know, we have we have a team to be excited about on the hardwood. Mike White has spent the last year and a half building and man, that team, that team is is making some noise. Georgia basketball, if you haven't been keeping up with it, out there, they played a game versus Tennessee a few nights ago. They should have won number five Tennessee. They had a lead late and ended up losing it. Beat a good South Carolina team on the road. Came back and scored 61 points in the second half against Kentucky, on the road, scored 96 points, couldn't quite get it done there, but then came back and won a hard-fought battle against LSU. So shout-out to Mike White, shout-out to the Georgia basketball team. Without excited, a doubt. Yeah, excited about what those guys are, are building. And, and, you know, we may see a postseason Georgia basketball for the first time. Oh, man, line. that
1: would be exciting, no doubt about it.
0: All right, now that we bored everybody that that, that tunes in for the football stuff, <laughs> I I see y'all in the comments. That's fine. That's fine. We're going to talk about basketball. I like basketball, so we'll talk about that as a little bit too. I'm gonna, I'm gonna keep sneaking it in. But welcome back <laughs> to the to the Dog Dispatch. We are uh, here to talk about Georgia football again today. I you know Coach Coach Hayes and I were were talking uh, before we joined the recording, just you know around the depth chart, around some of the scheme, what we liked last year before we get into that if you are watching this on youtube please subscribe to the channel please like the video it really helps a lot if you're listening this on podcasts hopefully you are subscribed if you're not go ahead and follow that really helps us a lot and if you also will click over in the in the youtube description or the podcast description you'll see a link to coach hayes youtube where he does a lot of film breakdown a lot of short film breakdown which is really useful if you want to learn more about the game, we're going to be incorporating some of that into our shows going forward, too. But OK, today, Georgia offense, we're going to do a little bit of a, a review of the Georgia offense from 2023. Coach, you know, first of all, just maybe general assessment. What what do we think about the Georgia offense in 2023? What do we like? Uh, what's the what's the good that we take away from it?
1: Well, I think you kind of look at everything based off the fact of how your quarterback play really kind of set the tone for us this year. Also mm-hmm. under Mike Bobo, which I know faced a lot of controversy. There was a little bit of just skepticism about what he could do coming the, back the under
0: fi- the fire Bobo crowd. Yeah, exactly. And I was
1: having a, I was on that, you know, trying to fight that, you know, on that wagon, it was on fire and I'm trying to put the fire out every, <laughs> Seemed like every week, but you know, uniquely enough, I, I find myself sitting there still looking at us being one of the top five programs in the nation offensively from all the statistical mm-hmm. analysis that you want to look at, you know, one thing that obviously Coach Buppo suffered from under the Rick era was that the defense just wasn't up to par. Mm-hmm. And now we see that our defense has really grown under Coach Smart's tenure in the program. And that mm-hmm. just goes to show you the difference. We're averaging 40-plus a game. I mean, if you look statistically at what we did this year, we were comparable, almost mirror image, to what Todd Munkin had done in the last couple of years as well. I don't know if a lot of – the fandom out there is just not seeing the aha factor or the wow factor. Maybe yeah. there's not as much eye pop to some of the things that are doing, but they yeah. are efficient, they are consistent, and they are producing. Like I said, what I wanted to basically be able to see is us be able to produce points, and we still did this year with yeah. the offense. So that was good to see with Bobo under the uh, OC position. But Carson Beck to me was probably you know just seeing him come out and produce the way we knew that he could – was important to me to be able to come mm-hmm. out and execute the offense. You know, even with his errors, I know think he threw six interceptions, but I've never seen a quarterback in my life. I think four of his six interceptions were some of the quirkiest picks by the defense that you could ever see, yeah. like a deflection through a window of a mailbox where a kid's just hands are in the right place to That's catch true. the deflection, things yeah. like that. But I think you know the the line play got better as the year went on. We had uh, once Milton and. Dajon got their their legs underneath them and got mm-hmm. healthy. That really helped as well. And then once Carson got settled into a rhythm and started finding his go-to guys, we really saw some solidarity across the board. Of course, it does help to have that guy called uh, Brock Bowers, number 19 as well.
0: Yeah, having one of the best players in college football at the at the tight end position definitely helped. And, you know, Georgia, Georgia was missing Brock Bowers for a few games, right? So um, mm-hmm. I think if you look at what the Georgia offense was able to do, even you know in in those games where where Brock Bowers, even though he made a miraculous fast comeback, maybe maybe came back a little too soon by some yeah. reports. But even though he came back quickly, you know, for Georgia to be able to have that continuity to not not miss a beat. And people, you know, people will say, and I totally get the criticism. People say, well, yeah, Georgia averaged forty points a game, but they scored 27 against Auburn had to score late they only put up 24 versus Alabama you know they, folks will mention you know kind of that stat padding right mm-hmm. but but let's be clear the stat padding was happening against an old miss team that finished in the in the in the top 10 or close to the, oh, top, the top 10, 10. Yeah. Yeah, yeah 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 you know it wasn't like georgia was running out there and and just you know blowing up Vanderbilt and some of these scrub teams. I mean, they were, you know, Georgia played some really good teams and put up some really remarkable offensive numbers, and also won fourteen games, right, or thirteen yes, games. Exactly. Went through, you know, thirteen and one, yeah. So, exactly. so when you, so when you look at the totality of it, you know, yes, I think the, I think the fire, Bobo crowd. I think where people get get frustrated is in those moments. The Alabama game, right? It's like, what are we, what are we doing? You know, you know. But I will also say this. Georgia has been and will continue to be a Kirby Smart led team. There is no there is no even even with Todd Muggineer, don't, I don't care what people say. There is no no game plan that is going to occur on the offensive or the defensive side of the ball without Kirby Smart having some oversight, some blessing. And if Kirby Smart in that Alabama game, if he thought the game plan was not working or if he thought that Georgia should be doing something different and guarantee you that he's going to be on that headset making the mm-hmm. call to do something different and yeah, so exactly i think right. Georgia I think Georgia went into that game and, and thought that that they could that they could really kind of suffocate alabama with their defense maybe Jalen Milrow wasn't you know the quarterback they thought they, they maybe he he turned out to be the quarterback you know maybe that they thought he wasn't right the way they were spying i think they thought they could do a lot of things on defense and on offense. You know, do the the kind of the old school, right? The little bit right. of the ground and pound and uh, and mm-hmm. hold on to it. So, you know, I think transitioning from the from the good good to the bad here, which I did without even telling y'all. So <laughs> sorry about that. But no, no, the good the good. So we'll wrap that up. You know, so you know, I think yes, Carson back the quarterback play. I thought you know overall was was one of the better. Seasons that a Georgia quarterback has had in in my memory, in terms of having full control of the offense, in terms of being, especially for a first year starter. I know he'd been in the program for a few years, but being a first year starter, I mean, there he was never too high, he was never too low. Had you know these games where things weren't going so well, Auburn, South Carolina, and just kept staying the course, just made plays when you need to make plays, and. And now you got him coming back for for another year. So with that being said, what what would we like to see for 2024 from the Georgia offense? Where do we feel like, you know, maybe we need to see some improvement, whether that's personnel, whether that's scheme, whether that's, you know, pace, any of those types of things. What what do you think, coach, from from what you gathered from last year?
1: You know, what I really would love to see, honestly, is if they would figure out a way to have someone that would work like a co-OC with Bobo, with those people who give input, and maybe look at a passing game coordinator. Bobo, Mm -hmm. to me, has he's an old-school coach, so I know his run game is his fundamental, as sort of his kung fu. Mm -hmm. And I know he's got a good passing game concept, but if you had somebody in there that was in his ear full-time that basically ran like a co-offensive coordinator or a passing coordinator concept, To give him some identity, because to me, with the people they've got coming in with the transfer portal Mm -hmm. and then with the people who are coming back for next year, there's a lot of wide receiver depth out there that I really think needs to be maximized to its potential. And the sustainable growth, believe it or not, we're bringing two veteran linemen back. We're going to be looking at obviously replacing 3-0 linemen. Mm -hmm. Our running back room, I think, will be very solid but i think everybody always seems to question it because as you were talking you know i'm sitting there thinking to myself a lot of our fandom comes from the fact that we're spoiled in thinking that the positive of a ball game should be that we should win 52 the 14 every not ball us, game not us coach not and, us and, coach. Mean, Georgia
0: fan, we're not spoiled not us come on now
1: but but i'm going to tell you i've been a part <laughs> yeah. of a lot i've been a part of a lot of games where yeah. you know we won 27 to 21 man and we had mm-hmm. a war and you feel like it's one of those workouts when you get done where you just wore yourself yeah. to exhaustion and you realized you was benefit behind it. Because mm-hmm. when you do that, there's growth. A lot of times when you're winning and killing teams, whether it be a powder puff team or whether it be a team that's, you know, an SEC rival, if you win by three or four touchdowns, yeah, it feels great. But is there growth? And that's something that's very important to me is to see. The maturation of everything coming together, all position groups coming together and growing. Because realistically, even though we are replacing a few on the offensive line, we're going to see what Branson Robinson does coming back, mixing in now with the transfer portal of Travis Trevor Etienne, and we have, and then of course those young bucks that are coming in as well. Realistically, it's just that cohesiveness of kids and staying injury free and having consistency to build in the program across the board. So I guess going back to what I originally said about Bobo, if we had someone that could realistically sit down and say, okay, you've got Ra Ra Thomas, you've got Dominic Lovett, you've got Colby mm-hmm. Smith coming in from the transfer portal, Michael Jackson, and mm-hmm. you've got an Anthony Evans kid who's a burner in the slot. You've got the Humphrey mm-hmm. kid from Vanderbilt mm-hmm. who can be a burner in the slot. You've mm-hmm. got a figure and then that doesn't count Dylan Bell who who showed to be a hybrid last year at a running back end." Mm-hmm. And a, and a receiver that yep. you figure out who those combos are. I mean, this is just me thinking out loud, but I would love to see a transitional type offense where, and this is not something that you do all the time, but it would be so nice to see true 10 receiver or 10 personnel receivers out there with no tight end, no lucky, no dealt, no, mm-hmm. you know, you spurling, no, yep. uh, no true tight end have true four receivers as your ZX, Y, and H. Mm-hmm. that you even have maybe Dylan Bell as the Z and I mean, as the F in the backfield. Mm-hmm. And you have five receivers. You're running screen game. You're running two receiver progression to one side. You're running four receiver progression full field. You're running into the boundary. You're running, you know, wide field opportunities where you're bringing two and one across mm-hmm. and, and looking at four receiver combos using your F back too. So it would be really nice to see us open up where Carson Beck has full, you know, control of the offense and we have receivers instead of it being a smoke and mirrors where we're running these sort of walls to create a crosser Mm that we actually have guys just beating man-to-man coverage and we're throwing BBs into places with a, with to me, a Heisman candidate at quarterback throwing the football to these guys and seeing us open up a little bit. I'm not saying Mm -hmm. that you have to go full air raid because a lot of times I know personnel Mm -hmm. will, you know, signify who your defense is going to do because when they see receivers, and they don't see a true H back tied in. They may think, well, this is a you know a throwing down, and they pin their ears back and come. But there's yeah. ways to work around that to make your defense to humble your defense so that they can't pin their ears back and linebackers can't just fly into coverage because they think every down is going to be a passing down. But what a great like, sudden change concept or a you know short yeah. short two minute concept that we could do with that. Yeah,
0: you know, I think Georgia. I think I agree with you. So for those for those who don't know, Tim personnel. That means you have one running back and four receivers, right? And I think for yeah, Georgia, no tight, and no tight ends. Well, I was about to. We'll, we'll talk about that in a second. I think what George, where you see this a lot, is you see it as Coach mentioned, you see it in the air raid, in the air raid offense, you see it in spread a lot. And the idea is, the goal is is to essentially try to create more ground for the defense to have to cover, mm-hmm. and to have you know personnel in that is going to stress. Some of these, some of these guys who are normally used to covering, you know, having to cover a tight end, or maybe you have two backs in, or maybe you know those types of things that you're that you're having to scheme against the defense. Georgia has the personnel to run it with a tight end on the field, right? I mean, I think you could totally split out, loss and lucky. I think you could totally, you know, even Oscar Delp in in some scenarios to to basically spread that defense out to run that that ten personnel, but you but you really have a tight end on the field. But 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 line him up as a receiver, and 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 I agree with you. I think one of the things that Georgia has has mi- missed last year, even though Georgia was a top five offense and total offense, a top five offense and scoring offense. I do, and and Carson Beck, you know, was was averaging uh, over two hundred and fifty yards passing a game. You know, I think I think Georgia still you know has an opportunity. So much of Munkin's scheme with the tight ends was that 12 personnel, right? And it was, mm-hmm. you know, sometimes you'd have a tight end split out, but you always had, you know, kind of that tight end attached to the to the end of that line that could be a blocker or could run around. Either way, you had options, right? With out of that out of mm-hmm. those formations. I think <coughs> missing a Brock Bowers, even as good as this tight end room is with Oscar Delp and Lawson Lucky and these guys. I think you have an opportunity to use them a little bit differently, especially with the receiver group that you have, where I will hope that this season, going into this season, that Georgia, that Mike Bobo specifically, you know, finds a way to use all these receivers that you're bringing in from the portal. Find some ways to use these athletic tight ends, like I mentioned them again, like Lawson Lucky, and, and find ways to, to spread that defense out. Because I think that's going to be a real key for Georgia this year that will really open up that run game with Travis Etienne and with some of these backs, we'll talk about personnel in just in just a second. But, um, but yeah, I agree with you. The other thing I'll say, too, uh, just your point about a co-offensive coordinator, passing game coordinator, you know, so Brian McClendon has the title of passing game coordinator. He's had it for a couple of years. He had it, you know, since he joined when Munkin was offensive coordinator. I think what Georgia's missing, what Georgia was missing last year, I think people overlook how valuable it was for Todd Munkin to have, Mike Bobo and Buster Faulkner as yes. support staff, right? Like it's like you have mm-hmm. two guys who legit offensive coordinators. Yeah. One a very seasoned, you know, former SEC head coach, one a young up and comer. You had those two guys in your room in the, in your support staff, helping create right. game plan, helping scheme, right? And right. and not to not to diminish the guys that, you know, Mike Bobo had, but you heard, you know, if you if if you heard the post the the press conferences before the national championship in 2022 so before TCU and LA Todd Munkin said he was talking about the SEC championship and he's like yeah that you know that first touchdown that we ran against LSU he's like that was a play that Mike Bobo brought to the table he's talking about just essentially all of the effort of everybody in the room and he mentioned Mike Bobo and he mentioned Buster Faulkner he mentioned all these guys right and I think like that is is the one thing that whether it's a co-offensive coordinator or maybe it's maybe it's some seasoned you know a seasoned uh, offensive analyst right like a head right. coach that, that has a offensive background to come in but i agree with you i think i think georgia has to find a little bit more on that support staff for mike bobo because i don't i think mike bobo gets unfair criticism for a number of reasons but i also think and we see what he's doing in the nfl and he, and he's an absolute genius of a play caller and todd Munkin, but i also think that Todd Munkin, I don't want to say that Todd Munkin I, I think that room didn't get enough credit. I think Todd Munkin got so much of the credit that the input and influence that Mike Bobo and Buster Faulkner had being in the room as as support uh for Todd Munkin didn't get enough credit in that, in those in that national championship run.
1: I agree. I sit there and look at the identity that's behind that whole situation too, because this is a switch up. This is not something you're saying, okay, I want you to hang your hat on this situation. Because, honestly, 11 personnel is a great personnel setting because you can still have three receivers. You can Mm -hmm. still have a tight end lined up basically as a a trips type receiver, Mm -hmm. but also he can be the puller for your gap scheme run game. And that's the reason why it's so hard to defend a lot of times because you don't know whether that personnel is out there to be in a pass set pro or whether you're looking at, you know, possibly getting – you know, power run at you. So, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm not looking at that being something that becomes their identity, but Mm -hmm. as you say, when you look at it from my bubbles perspective to see McClendon and maybe other people and support staff say, listen, let's look at a way that we can utilize the potential that we have so that we're vertically stretching teams now and trying to figure out a way to put stressors in, in zones that's going to execute and let these kids hunt because it, I, I don't know about you, but it was so nice to see Dominic Lovett, for example, catch that corner or basically yeah, the slot fade it. for the yeah. for the touchdown on the vertical press instead of yeah. him just catching a dick route. It seemed like every yeah. time we saw Dominic catching a ball, it was on the dig. Yeah. So or not on the dig, but on the shallow. But mm-hmm. you know, that's something that I would love to see happen as we move forward in the process of of Mike Bobo, you know, maybe stepping into somebody else's shoes. Cause I know sitting at the coach's table, maybe mm-hmm. somebody says, hey, let's look at just this package deal we do here. Mm-hmm. During a two-minute offensive run, or hey, after a sudden change, we just look at these options. So it's a switch-up. It's something that's fresh. It's something that gives the fan itself sort of this: oh, okay, I see what you're doing, mm-hmm. and you know, also too, you're maximizing some of your potential on your on your team.
0: Yeah, and I think you're going to have to, right? I think I think at the end of the day, this schedule next year is tough. I mean, yes. it's tough. I don't care. I don't care what people say about you know the state of. Whether it's, you know, Alabama or, or even, you know, Tennessee, right? You got, you open up with Clemson right out of the gate. Mm-hmm. Then you have to go to Alabama. You got to go to Texas. You got to play at Ole Miss. You got you gotta know, go to go to Ole Miss. Like, like hey, I mean, come on, you know, and, and that Ole Miss game, I mean, that's, you know, that's November the 9th. Like, that's not a, this is, and, the, and that team, you know, that Lane Kiffin is building, you're going to have to, you're going to have to figure out ways. To stress some of these defenses. And I think mm-hmm. uh, and I totally agree with what you're saying. I think, you know, I think, you know, hopefully we can get a little bit more of the brain trust in that room and and even even beef it up with them within, you know, bring me bring me some analysts, bring me some head coach that just got fired. That was a great offensive coordinator. So I right. put him in the room because I think, I think Todd Munken benefited from that. And, and I know Mike Bobo would too. Yeah. All right. Well, well, let's talk about players now. So, one of the things that we did in our last episode is we did, you know, just kind of talked about a just a way too early things can change. You got the transfer portal. You got, you know, George is over the scholarship limit. So, we know some of these guys are going to have to, going to get pushed out. But we'll do a way-too-early kind of look at a at a depth chart, right, and given our best opinion and take of who we think are going to be the key contributors across the position. So we'll start with the easiest one, quarterback. <laughs> Carson, Carson, Beck, Carson Beck is QB1. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. Uh, I think Gunnar Stockton is QB2. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. You got Ryan Puglisi, who's the only other scholarship quarterback on Georgia's roster right now. And Kirby Smart has said – That they need to be at four and the reason that they need to be at four is for practice right like you gotta you know the way people don't maybe you could speak to that a little bit just real briefly for folks too coaches just like how important is it you know to have your numbers at these positions not just to have you gotta have good players you gotta have your starters you gotta have your one and your two deep but how important is it to have that three and four deep just for you know reps not not even not even for health and backup, that's really important, but just for like what you run and practice, how is it, how important is it?
1: You need as many people as you can execute an offense at the highest level you can. The word that you said that came out of your mouth that I was going to actually answer to your question was reps. When you look at it, you need more reps. And when you're trying to practice with three quarterbacks, you've got quarterbacks that are running Scout Team 707. You've got probably a quarterback that's running an inside drill for linebackers and for linemen. And you've got a guy for running Skelly that's going through. Uh, perimeter stuff, trying to work on his two-receiver progression, three-receiver progression, four-receiver progression. You need those quarterbacks getting as many reps as possible. Even if I'm the fourth quarterback on the depth chart, I am still going out probably during some series or some actual five-minute window of time. Periods typically is what, you know, when you're out on the football field, the practice schedule runs in periods, five-minute frameworks, and you are on the dime. I mean, the minute that horn sounds, you're gone. Going to the next section. So you don't realize during say two periods of Skelly where I'm throwing against the number ones and number twos that are out there in perimeter and you're trying to work on two receiver progressions, you're working off cards. You're getting better because you're learning how to read the field, you're learning to, of course, throw to players and obviously get those reps, those those true, truly meaningful reps that are very important. But it also adds depth because when you're stressed with position players to do those to fulfill those roles. Now you've got those people like analysts that are having to throw the football during those times. And sometimes the you want every rep you take to be meaningful. And mm-hmm. if it's not meaningful, you're wasting your time. So that's really the reason why they need that fourth guy out there to be able to run those reps, execute the offense to the best of their ability, to give the defense, to give whatever they're running during that time frame to make mm-hmm. it executable at the highest level possible and make them be efficient with their time.
0: Yeah. Love it. Love it. All right. so quarterback. We know right now we're running Carson Beck, Gunnar Stockton, Ryan Paglisi and we'll see who Georgia brings in cuz I'm confident they're going to bring in a quarterback from the transfer portal for that fourth yeah, spot. Agree. All right, let's let's move on to to the the big uglies up front. My favorite guys to talk about. Let's okay. talk about the offensive line. Georgia, you know, Georgia Georgia has some guys coming back. You got uh, you got Tate Ratledge coming back, you got Xavier Trust coming back. Obviously, you know, Ernest Green, you have you have a lot of guys, Dylan Fairchild, you got you got guys who played a significant amount of snaps coming back on this offensive line. Let's talk about, you know, kind of pros, cons, what we see from the offensive line. How do you see it stacking up, you know, and maybe what's your what's your best guess if you had to guess today of that starting that starting five across the front and maybe maybe some wild cards as well.
1: Well, I'm telling you right now, I, I hate to say it, but trust you're just going to have to look over your shoulder. I know that Kirby's going to be dedicated yeah. to taking care of veterans who come back to the program. And, you know, mm-hmm. as much as I probably was trust is not best friend last year evaluating film. You know, when you've got a kid that's got as many reps as he's got in the last year, you, you hope to see an improvement. Mm-hmm. And that's where a coach has to basically look at it and say, okay, this is what we need to see out of you this year. it needs to be executed at the highest level if not we've got somebody who's willing to replace you in a heartbeat but you know honestly to tell you the truth, it's hard to think that day one that trust wouldn't be at your tackle position right, right tackle and rattledge at right guard and then you see green over at the left tackle. The problem is is that you have two positions your center position. how can you replace Cedric van Prang Granger man? I tell you what what a excellent you know just ambassador
0: to our to our line and to our program, not only an excellent ambassador, a three-year starter. I mean, you're trying to replace two thousand seven hundred and forty-six snaps.
1: That's impressive. You know that number, man. That's well, impressive.
0: Uh, <laughs> but listen, you know, but but trying to but trying to replace that at at the center position, which is yes, which is important for a Crucial. number of reasons, right? Not only not only you know. Everybody, everybody, you know, you look at the center, His job is to snap the ball, right? That's fundamental. Mm-hmm. But he's making calls, right? Like he's he's, mm-hmm. he's, he's identifying he's, the mic. Up, exactly, mm-hmm. identifying the mic. He's setting up the rest of the offensive line for success. And, and especially in the SEC, having somebody that's had that many snaps, that many reps, that many, you know, seeing that many looks, the ability to quickly identify things when you know these defenses are trying to confuse you and trying to show – you know, sim pressures and all these things. It's um, mm-hmm. it that's a hard one to, to replace. Do we think? And I, you know, and I, and I'll I'll say this. I mean, you know, I think everybody feels like Jared Wilson is the guy. Jared Wilson played in nine games last year. He played about one hundred and thirty one snaps total. Excuse me. I'm um, in his in his Georgia career. He's he's only played about two hundred snaps total. Mm-hmm. but do we think he, jared wilson is the guy is that is that is that who we're leaning on for that's that? who
1: we're going to right now if i were to mm-hmm. guess today jared wilson would be your starting center and honestly to me he would be the weak link not because he's the weak link because he can't actually play the center position and can't yeah. perform and execute it's just because of what you just said those things that you just named out being able to identify the might being able to be sort of the quarterback of the offense underneath with carson and being able to work out your pass pro sets, and which way is your Roger call, which way is your Louis call. And I'm sure that's things that he will get reps at as time goes on, but he will be sort of the question mark to me of the offensive line just from that standpoint is that can he carry on those things that Cedric VanBrand Granger was able to do because it's just more than blocking A-gaps and things of that nature. He's got to be able to do a lot more than that. So him being able to come on and do that job is going to be, to me, a big telling tale at center position it's obvious to think that Dylan Fairchild is going to be back at the guard position again. I mean, what this kid right here is absolutely is a tree stump, but I'm a big, you know, I have a crush. Mm-hmm. I have a crush, man. Micah Morris. I love that kid. <laughs> so, so what do you do with Micah Morris? I mean, he's a tree stump. He's yeah. absolutely a tree stump. Yeah. And then, and then lastly, you've got another one out there in Moreau Freeland. I, I mm-hmm. just really think the competition is set up very well to where the best five, Will definitely be out there. There's no doubt through spring, through summer workouts. There's no doubt out of those seven we just mentioned, the best five will start, 100%. and we will see us and we will see a solid backup behind that. But good gracious alive, it's nice to have that problem. I guess is what I'm trying to say.
0: Yeah, well, and you and you saw, you know, I, I mean the thing, the thing that we know about Kirby Smart. So Xavier Trust coming back, we'll just address that. I'll address mm-hmm. that right now. Kirby Smart rewards rewards loyalty. And he and Stacy Searles value experience on the offensive line, sometimes over talent. Right? Like for yeah. them, it is there is a there is a mitigating risk that goes into who you're putting on that offensive line, even if it may not be the the best guy in terms of you know athleticism and technique and all those things. If they have experience, that counts for a lot. If they came back and they've been loyal to the program, they work hard, it counts for a lot. So I agree with you in terms of, of Xavier Trust. But I also will say, I mean, we saw it in in the national championship game in the 2021 national championship game versus Alabama and in Indianapolis, right? When Broderick Jones, when they made a change to the offensive line, when Will Anderson was just eating our lunch and they brought in Broderick Jones. And Broderick Jones up until that point hadn't played a lot. Nope, and and I think that's the thing that I'm so excited about with this offensive line is you have guys like like Micah Morris and like Dylan Fairchild, and you you know you got these guys that have a lot of experience that are really good. You got Monroe Freeling, who I think is going to be fantastic and going to continue to get reps. And I think if you if you get in those moments when whether it's Xavier Trust, whether it's anybody else in the offensive line, if you get in those moments where it feels like oh they're just getting their their lunch eaten. You will see. You will see a change. and You um, will fire him.
1: Please fire <laughs> you him. You
0: will. Immediately. Immediately. Yeah. And so so I am excited about the depth. I think that's the one thing with this offensive line that, that is really exciting outside of the center position is the depth that you have. Monroe Freeling, Michael Morris, Dylan Fairchild, you know, a lot of these guys. Curious thought
1: from my perspective, too, is I'm not really sure just not knowing them from seeing as many reps who can actually snap because out of that group, I would love to see maybe one of them be able to snap that helps give you some depth, but who does, who, who, if Jared Wilson is the guy, who's your next. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's a great point. You know, it it would be, it would be good, you know, for me, you know, I think if you, if you look at just, you know, kind of the, I don't know, I don't know if there's a, I don't know if there's a build for a center, for a center, but if you look at one, you know, it's probably Dylan Fairchild, you know, might be that guy, right? Like, I don't know if he can Mm -hmm. snap at all. But if you think about Micah Morris, I mean, like Micah Morris six six three thirty, you know, that's a, <laughs> that's a big old center. But you know, you get you, yeah. you get you look at Dylan Fairchild, and I mean, he's still six five, you know, but about three hundred pounds. But you, you you look at some of those guys, and I think I agree with your point, though. Is there is there who's going to be that guy? Because I, as much as I like having having Drew Bobo on the roster, I'm not sure that I'm not sure that that's it. So I think Not Georgia sure has either. some has some questions at depth that on uh, at at the center position. I feel pretty good about the other about the other spots for sure, especially if you if you have a tackle that you can you know can they can play their side in that in that too deep. All right, let's talk. Let's move on and talk a little bit about the tight end position. So tight end Georgia, you know, as deep as ever. Again, it feels like at tight end when you think about these tight ends, right? I mean, you have Oscar Dell. You have Lawson, Lucky. You have Pierce Sperlin, who, who we haven't talked much about uh, as a player who's still on the roster. Uh, and then you also got these young guys, right? I mean, you got you know Redden. I'm 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 blanking. You're going to tell me, Coach. But yeah, but you got Redden. Yeah, Riddle. yeah, yeah. I want to call him Redden. But but you got yeah. So you you got him coming in. I mean, you got you you got and hot, Yeah, and Heinrich. Yeah, Colton Heinrich. Yeah, you got. But you've got. You know Todd Hartley is if he's going to do anything, he's going to have depth at the tight end position. Mm-hmm. How do you see these tight ends being utilized? like what's our you know looking to a crystal ball and again, way too early? How do we see you know kind of these tight ends lining up and being
1: you know, I honestly see it's amazing that Oscar Delt basically is putting in now his third year. Mm-hmm. It's really going to be the development because they run so much eleven and twelve personnel because we have in the past, you know, Brock Bowers has spoiled us being basically a unicorn that can line up in every position, be a receiver in one situation in three receiver progression. He can get down and put his hand on the ground and run a route from the tight end spot from Y, but also line up as an H and be the second person in the blocking scheme on gap scheme. Mm -hmm. That's going to be the big deal is who develops to become sort of the, I'm not saying the Brock Bowers replacement. Nobody can replace what he does. But honestly, to tell you the truth, it's going to be the development of that second tight end, which I think everybody wants it to be lost and lucky. We mm-hmm. want to say that Oscar Delp is probably your starting. Why? If they go 12 personnel, you would think lost and lucky would be the next one in. Pierce Sperling, to me, has obviously shown some potential as well. But I think Pierce has got to get stronger. His mm-hmm. lower body, when I look at him, he just hasn't filled out yet. Yeah. And I think the weight room's got to I think he needs to hit the weights hard this year. He needs to really gain some weight in his lower body. Because if he's going to do anything that comes into the perspective of what Georgia wants in their tight ends, which I call the Y, or the H-back position, which is the secondary tight end when you're in 12 personnel, that he is going to have to learn how to do those kind of blocking scheme concepts. Because like I said, most kids come in, they can catch the football, but you even heard Oscar say itself after his first year, the one thing he needed to improve upon was his run blocking, and he got better this year. There was no doubt about it. So it's the same thing. Lawson now is in that same position. Mm -hmm. We know he can run routes. We know he can catch the football. How is he going to be in those run blocking schemes? How is his run blocking going to improve? And then Pierce is the same way. But it is nice to see that we have the depth. And we're not even talking about the possibility of – you know, there's rumors we might even have another one possibly coming in from the portal, but we'll yep. have to see how that plays out as well. But yep. just saying right now, just to answer your question, it's easy to say that DELP is going to be your number one tight end for all 11 personnel. And then when we go 12 personnel, I think Lucky is the guy that you have. A lot of people say he's special as sort of the – I don't want to compare him even to Brock Bowers. I hate to even use comparisons a lot of times. Yep. But with him, I think he's still that kid who, if he can improve his run-blocking ability – we know he's going to be able to run routes. So we know he can catch the football. and he executed a high level. And those two working in tandem are going to be a special unit on the field.
0: Yeah. And I think, you know, again going back to just going back to just the the reps piece of it, right? I think mm-hmm. I think both both Pierce Berlin and, and Lawson Lucky obviously, you know, Pierce needs to get stronger. I think Lawson probably does too. No, uh, yeah. But I but I think, you know, ha- when you when you remove a, a Brock Bowers, a player like Brock Bowers, and everybody moves up, the reps that you're getting, the quality reps, who you're going against in practice, all those things significantly improves too. And yeah. so I'm excited to see that development and man, really excited about a end room. All right. Let's let's talk quickly about running backs. Listen, Travis Etienne coming in. What do we think that the that Travis Etienne coming in? Does for this room? I let, let's just let's just talk about the elephant in the room first. Are there any of these running backs that are getting pushed out, Coach? Any of these running backs that you don't see being on this roster in twenty twenty four, and and we don't have to we we don't even have to name names, but it, you know I think we can prognosticate if we want. Mm-hmm. Uh, but when we think about this depth chart as well, where do we see these these guys lining up?
1: Well, I'll answer the question too, twofold. First off, I answer yes if. Mm -hmm. Branson Robinson is fully healthy and showing the ability to come back from where he was in the 2021 season. Guys, a lot of people don't understand the psychological comeback from this being just like an ACL tear. I don't know if we're going to see the same kid that we saw that ran in in, against TCU there in the national championship game that had those uh, quality runs that everybody was wanting to compare him to Nick Chubb. I think it really depends on what Branson Robinson does. If Branson Robinson doesn't have a full comeback and is not showing the 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 potential of being you know in the in the running for one of the positions, I would say that you're gonna see maybe one leave if Branson is fully healthy and seems to show no signs of slowing down and he's ready to go day one, then we may see two leave. I really okay. do think that and it's definitely gonna push out. I'm thinking in my head at least one. It just really depends on where Branson is with his health and how that substantiates the growth with all these kids that we just brought in. I do see the running back room evolving and change, and that's hard to say because I love all these kids. I've watched them and evaluated them over this last year. I really want to see them maximize potential. There's yeah. no reason why they should be sitting on the bench where they can go somewhere else and play and be a benefit to somebody else's program. No doubt.
0: Yeah, I mean, and Georgia brought in, you know, they they brought in Travis Etienne from the portal, and then they signed three running backs. And I think, I think the signals are there, right? Like, I don't think mm-hmm. you go and sign Bowens and Nate Frazier and Dwight Phillips Jr. On top of the room that you have with Roderick Robinson and mm-hmm. uh, Andrew Paul, and Brant, yeah, Andrew Paul and and Branson Robinson and 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 those guys, if you don't anticipate either a player not, you know, because Andrew Paul had an injury too, either either players not exactly. being able not being back to their full form as they were, or if they're you know potential players who are are you don't think will end up on your team. In the in the long run, by this time the season rolls around. So, who so who do you think you know? Again, just just for way too early purposes, who do we think is going to line up? Maybe one, two, three at running back.
1: Well, wishful thinking. I would love to see this. You know, obviously, we know that ETN ain't coming to sit on the bench, so he's definitely <laughs> going to be in the starting rotation. If Branson Roth- Robinson is healthy, he's definitely going to be in there at number two. Mm-hmm. I think that, and it could be possibly number one, depending on what happens. I'm sure they they rotate so much. But in the three position, is going to be unique because I'm do i I'm really high on Nate Frazier. I think Nate mm-hmm. Frazier is going to be someone that's kind of like what DeAndre Swift did where he came in and all of a sudden he was showing potential very quickly as a freshman. Mm-hmm. I think he's one of those kids who's kind of dynamic and different. It's just a matter of him catching up with the scheme of things and getting into the right speed, being in college now. But I think Nate Frazier might end up being the one that sneaks in there. I'm also I'm definitely going to say I'm a fan of Roderick Robinson. Uh, I really, I really like his size and style. He runs, you know, seemingly faster than his size. I know he's probably working in the off season to get faster, but his size definitely makes him a bruising back that I like to see as well. So realistically, I know you asked for three, but I kind of like those four. Those are the four that I like.
0: Yeah, I do too. And here's what I'll tell people right now. Don't sleep on Roderick Robinson losing about 15 pounds. Like right. I think, I think Roger Robinson. I think he's going through he's going through a transformation in this offseason. I think he's mm-hmm. gonna, I think he's definitely gonna gonna get stronger. But I I I won't be surprised if he is if he slims down a little bit from that two forty where he was last year, mm-hmm. um, and gets down closer around that you know two thirty two twenty five range, but still being a bruiser. So I agree with yes. you. No, you know, no disagreement with that. I'm really excited. I. I I really want to see Nate Frazier. And again, the thing about Georgia and running backs—if you can't pass protect, you are not going to play for Kirby Smart. Period. And <laughs> that'll just, be yeah, and that'll it, be it, his Achilles heel, and honestly. And that is be yeah, his and that so. So I think for Frazier, like you know, for me, I think that's the big question mark because the guy can absolutely—he's electric oh, with the ball wow. in his hands—and just yeah, you. You're going to have to you're going to pass block. All right. Last offensive group of the night. We will uh, talk about these receivers, coach. My personally, my favorite group to talk about right now because of just there's so many unknowns, to be honest, but there's so much potential. And so I love talking about this receiver group. Tell me, you know, tell me who who you're high on and, and what we're what we're thinking about, you know, uh, how we well, line up.
1: I think that when you look at it, and I've said this before in our previous podcast, that with what we do, Rahra Thomas and Dominic Lovett having a year under their belt and being in year two now, I think we're going to see some different dimensions from them that we didn't see in year one. I think Dominic probably caught onto the system a little bit quicker than Rahra did. Rahra also dealt with a lot of injury, but he is such a long, lengthy kid with mm-hmm. a huge reach, and he's someone that I think could definitely benefit. It's going to be really, if you if you think about it, from 11 personnel standings, which we run a lot of, that means we mm-hmm. need three receivers. I want to see the progression of Anthony Evans. I want mm-hmm. to see him in the slot. I want to see him just absolutely burning people on slot fades like we saw in the Florida State game. Mm-hmm. I really do think that could be a benefit. Dominic it. I know, ran a lot in the slot too as well, but I, it would be nice to see him move out and maybe be your ex. And realistically, who at Z, I mean – you look at Colby Smith, you look at Michael Jackson coming in, not really sure where they're going to fit in the mix because they're going to be doing the same thing this year that we saw with Dominic and Ra rah last year. Yeah. So as much as we want to see that excitement of those five guys, because each one of them, very long, rangy, big mm-hmm. wingspan kids with big hands, strong hands, go up and get football, but we just don't know how they're going to catch on with the system as quickly as we'd like for them to. So it's really going to – and that even comes down to the Humphreys kid, London Humphreys yep. as well from Vanderbilt. So yep. just to answer your question, I, I think what I would love to see is just a progression of ra Thomas and Dominic Lovett continuing in their second year where we hopefully see them doing more in the passing game tree. From where We're seeing more out of them from different routes than just shallow routes and yep. and, and slot fades and uh, 50-50 balls. And I would love to see Anthony Evans in the slot. That's who I really am excited about seeing.
0: Man, I, I, I'm so excited about Anthony Evans. I'll tell you one name that that we haven't mentioned that I'm still super high on. I know a lot of people, you know, there's maybe questions about 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 him, but Dylan Bell. I'm really excited. I'm yeah. really excited about Dylan Bell. I think Dylan yeah. Bell, you know, I, I still don't yeah. think Dylan Bell has fully unlocked his potential. And you saw a couple of games this this past year where he just took over, you know? Yeah. Like where he, the You're Tennessee right. game was the Dylan Bell game. I mean, he just mm-hmm. took over a yeah, um, great catch against Florida too. Absolutely, and I think he's gonna be a guy that in that you know in that slot, I I just think they're gonna have to they're gonna have to they'll they'll find creative ways to use Dylan Bell because he is you know built in that that Debo Samuel mode you know where he mm-hmm. can do a lot of different things. But of of the of the guys you mentioned, you know, yeah, you know, it, very interested to see Colby Young, Michael Jackson III, what those guys can can contribute. Arian Smith, I'm I'm just really, yeah, you know, he, I'm perplexed by Arian Smith because there is no, a- Arian Smith is is a guy that I would love nothing more than for him to be the threat that he that he already is. Like you, he's he's gonna run by you, he's gonna mm-hmm. run, and he and honestly, he's got he got a lot better last year at his route running, and then mm-hmm. his, his ability to catch the ball just fell off, fell off the face of the earth, and so. So that's, you know, another one that I think like if you, if you truly, if we're, if Georgia is truly going to be the juggernaut that I think they can be, it's going to be that level. Like, I think that top level, like, you know, Dominic Love at Rara Thomas, that, that, that leap from year one in a system to year two in a system is so real. It, right. People don't understand the route trees, the, the, the calls, the, the, the options, the, you know, the. Even you know just what you do in certain situations when, when, when the the play breaks down. Right, there's so many right. things that happen that is a that is a different style if you've been in another system. And so that second year in the system, I think is going to be huge for those guys. So I expect yeah. those guys to be be huge. I think that next level. It, you you mentioned it, Anthony Evans, Arian Smith, Dylan Bell. You know those those kind of those kind of guys. I think are going to be are going to be the.
1: Without a doubt. You know, it's funny that I didn't even think about Arian Smith or or Dylan Bell because of the fact that those two, Dylan got kind of lost in the shuffle because they were having to use him in so many places at the Mm -hmm. beginning of the year. And Arian just never had any consistency. To start with, this kid never dropped a ball. It was typically always catching the nine route, but he never dropped it. And then all of a sudden, like you said, he's trying to progress in the route tree Mm -hmm. and then he can't catch the football. So then it's just quick screens and nine routes for him as well. But You're right. I kind of admire the fact that he's coming back, but he's I don't know where he's going to fit in that jigsaw puzzle of the uh, of the receiver core.
0: Yeah. Georgia went out and got a lot of receivers from the portal. And I think, again, you know, you look you look at when you're when you start stacking guys, whether it's in high school where you're taking those, you know, three running backs or whether it's in the portal, you're taking, you know, a number of receivers. Right. I I think I I think when you start stacking guys, even if you're losing guys from the portal and, you know, you're, you're replacing them, I do think. I do think the quality that George has brought in will will cause, you know, there's going to be a few of these guys that are going to have to really earn it, figure their way out. So, all uh, right, well this well, this has been great. Thank you all so much for for tuning in. Again, I'm I'm John. You can find me at John Tweet Sports Coach Hayes at Coach Hayes Huddle HUDL. Go subscribe to Coach Hayes YouTube page where he does film breakdowns and please like and subscribe the video, subscribe wherever you get your podcast. We're excited to have you on board and we're just getting started. Thank you, sir. Yeah.